This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. They say that success is built on strong foundations. So when 20 years ago, when Stuart Watkiss took the reins of Mansfield Town's first team, a side which was full of his youth team starlets, fans dared to dream of achieving promotion. There were twists and turns along the way and it went all the way to the wire. But in the end, Watkiss and his side made dreams come true. Ball into the area for Kelly. Keeps possession. Drives it across the edge of the six-yard area. Cleared as far as Hassel. Back into the box it goes. And we're in front. Mansfield have it. And it's Andy White. It's absolutely nuts at field mill. Corner then. He's going to take this corner holds both arms aloft. The... Uh... Referee waiting to give the signal. Williamson's on the goal line. Greenacre's near the near post. Into the area goes. Tankard heads it goalwards. It's in! It's Andy White! Andy White's made it 2-0. And now we have a little bit of a comfort zone. The referee looks again at his watch. It's just about over. Three seconds remaining. The referee's blown! And Mansfield are promoted to Division 2. Scenes of jubilation at Field Mill. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast and 20 years on we're recalling the stories from that historic campaign with those at the heart of it all. This is Stag Stories, the glory of the Amber Generation. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Stag Stories, the glory of the Amber Generation where we're looking back on that fantastic season 20 years ago and my god have we got an episode coming up for you today one of the most requested players for all the years we've been doing the Mansfield Matters podcast it is Sir Chris of Greenacre we'll get to him in just a minute of course with Chris Greenacre being on the show tonight of course there was one man who was bound to pop up here he is hello Nathan we've not seen you for about four weeks and all of a sudden you're back from your Covid bed and uh you're uh, you're happy to, to to press on and get involved. I wonder why. <laughs> I wouldn't be missing this one uh, for anything. No, I'm oh, I, I'm so excited for this, and I know I've absolutely no doubt whatsoever that all the listeners will at home. We've said it for we've been doing this podcast now five years, haven't we? We've been saying mm-hmm. this was a dream. This, this has been the dream for me. This has been you know that that number ten shirt when I when I got called up for it for England and uh, in the in the blind Euros in 2017. The first thing I said to the uh, 
to, to the coach was, can I have number 10? That's, you know, it's always been my number because of, uh, because of this man. So, uh, yeah, I'm so excited for this. Well, I'm going to keep making you wait for a, a little while because whilst you've not been around, I've had to draft other people in. And, you know, I've, I've gone from a striker who, you know, got a few England caps with his name to a man who fired us to a promotion. I watched him watching the little footage back there in the interview. That's the first time that he's seen that footage beaming from ear to ear. And I think crying at one point. Hello, Andy. How are you, pal? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah, good memories. Some uh, goosebumps there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more then about the the man that we've got coming on uh, the show then uh, tonight for us. An absolute club legend and one man who uh, I think responded within three seconds of you sending a message saying, "Will you come on?" Yeah, absolute privilege. Really looking forward to tonight's conversation. He's a centre forward with a godlike status. Um, he led from a front, not only with his goals, but also his performances in that 0102 season. Um, and yeah, like Nathan said, an absolute legend at the club. Um, still is now. So, a really pleasure to welcome Chrissy Greenacre. Yeah, absolutely. Here he is, all the way from the other side of the world. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, guys. Uh, it's a privilege to be here. Um, the same as Andy, really, just to see some of that footage back. Got real, real goosebumps. Um, yeah, some really, really happy memories. And um, yeah, I'm quite humbled with some of the, the comments. And, you know, I thank you for that. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm a, bit, a little bit overwhelmed, to be honest. And of course, you know, it, for, for us at the moment, it's about 20 to, 25 to 9 uh, in the evening. You've just got up, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Um, so excuse the noise and the chaos. I've got a, a seven-year-old in the background. They'll be bouncing around. So I apologise if there's any background noise. But um, no, um yeah, no, I've been, been, uh, been in New Zealand now for since 2009. Um, ended up finishing my career here playing for Wellington Phoenix and then um, joined the coaching staff shortly after. So, um, yeah, signed a two-year contract initially and um, yeah, we're still here. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, good morning, everyone. Now, all the time that we've been doing these shows, Andy has been trying to tap people up for his Vets team. Tonight, Andy, is it a different approach? Are you, going for, are you, are you trying to get a cheeky move tonight? Yeah, I'm not sure I could afford his expenses, but um, yeah, play like Chrissy for the vets. I don't know if he's still he's still playing, Chrissy. Or I've not played in the last couple of years. I played for a local team here, so I've uh, yeah I've been playing masters for them for for a oh, little yeah. bit. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It, the, the the other side of the game, the social side of the game, where I have a beer afterwards and everything. That's uh, that's more my standard right now. Yeah, and I think it's so important. I mean, for me, I set it up just to kind of get get everyone together again, and for us to, you know, to that social aspect because you know, for for your own mental health, it's important, isn't it, to keep active, keep socialising, and just keep engaging with with your mates, basically. Yeah, I mean, I've been, as I said to you before, I've been lucky enough now to be on the coaching side, um, so the next best thing of being on the on the grass playing is is out there and. And, and now my current role developing sort of the younger players in our reserve team. So it's the next place to be, you know, my office, you know, the, the background's fantastic. You're out in the fresh air every day you're with young people. I think, I think they keep you young, even though I don't look young, they keep you young in your head, you know, and, um, and it, it's, it's, it's really important. So I think, especially with the issues of mental health right now, it's really important that people get help and, and seek advice where they can and stuff. And I think everyone as a society, um, you know, showing that, you know, if, if people do need a shoulder to cry on or they need someone to talk to, that a lot more people are aware of it now. So it's really important that we, we get people, you know, on the right path. 
Yeah, it's a good topic to stay on as well, because especially for yourself, you know, you grew up sort of in Leeds, born and bred and, and sort of we're, we're quite local and you will have family roots and everything. Then you have a pandemic where you're in a completely different country. That must have been such a difficult time as well. So to be able to do little bits like this and have the equipment like Zoom and all these different softwares to to reconnect, it, it's so good to know that even that you're in a different country and miles and miles apart from someone, you can still see someone face to face and still have that conversation. Absolutely. I mean, for us, social media has been been the perfect platform from, um, I think, initially it was Skype to start with. Um, you no longer had to send a letter to get to the side of the world. You could actually say, see your family and friends, which for us, when when initially my wife, Lindsay and myself, we came over, we just came over just as a, as a couple. We had no family here. Even now, we don't have family here, so we don't have that support, um, you know, where you can just drop the little one off. And then you, you're also aware that, you know, grandparents now are, are missing out on a, a lifestyle of, of of watching their grand grandchild grow up. So there's a, there's a lot of elements like that that are quite difficult. But then the the quality of life that you know she's got here in our our sort of local neighbourhoods, it's it's fantastic for her. And and right now it's the best place for her. So um, yeah, but you know, thank God for social media. I never thought I'd find myself saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but I imagine it would be a completely different story if you were still a player. I mean, back in you know twenty years ago when we had the promotion and all of that. When things are going well on the pitch, it's quite a nice place to be social media. But I'm just looking at thinking about Mansfield's results in the last couple of couple of games. It, it can turn into quite a negative place. So to be a footballer without a social in, in a non-social media world like 20 years ago, that must take the pressure off at this sort of season when things are on the line. I, I, uh, to be honest, I, I, I've, I was never really a fan of going on forums and all that kind of stuff, and because um, it's amazing. And, and I say it to young players now, you, you, there may be. You may be getting gates of say ten thousand people, but you see on a chat room or whatever they call them now, um, you know there's maybe twenty negative comments, and you think out of a, a crowd of ten thousand people, the nine thousand are probably on your side and know that you've given your all and given your effort. But the other twenty comments that are really maybe derogatory, you know, unfortunately fans and and everyone um, they've got a right to an opinion, but also within a dressing room they don't know what's gone on. In the background, they don't know you've you've been up all night with the kids. There's family issues. There's other stuff going on. Mental health now is going on. Um, there's you know you don't have that privilege, and sometimes it can be really tough, especially on the young players who can kind of really take that to heart. And I've been in dressing rooms since where that's happened. And for me, it's trying to find that balance of I don't when things are going well, I, I tend not to read things, and if things are going bad, I tend not to read things because it's you get a false sort of positive kind of thing. And I think it's it can keep you sort of on the straight and narrow and focused on what whatever your job is right now and what you're doing. And that's that's probably my best advice. But, you know, the, the kids of today, they're surrounded by it. Everywhere they go, there's there's social media, there's images, all these platforms. And it's it's really difficult for them to, to you know, stay away from it. And, you know, for any athlete, um, if the information you're getting is good or bad, like for me, I would kind of stay away from it and use it for connecting with families, connecting with things you're interested in, you know, looking at your heroes, etc. But the comments at times can be pretty derogatory and um, it can affect the game. Let's talk a little bit about what you are doing now in terms of life post-football, because obviously looking through your career, wherever you've been, you've sort of had a quite a prolonged spell at, at, at that club, obviously moved over um, in 2009, like you mentioned earlier, as a, as a player and then moved into the back room and you've had a few spells in interim charge and, and things like that. What's your current role 
at the moment then? Because there's quite a few where Wellington Phoenix uh, half fans in Mansfield always keep an eye on purely because of the fact that you're involved with the club, one of which is on the call right now. Oh, fantastic. Now, we, um, now I'm currently uh, taking our reserve team. Um, so I've been with the first team since I retired in um, 2011, I think it was. Um, so I've been involved. Uh, our head coach at the time, uh, Ricky Herbert, was the one that he came, gave me the opportunity to to be part of the first team. And um, differently to England, where uh, at the time when I was in at Tranmere, kind of 10 of our starting 11 were all going down the coaching route. And I arrived in New Zealand and there was no one else sort of doing any kind of coaching from a player perspective. So I kind of thought, oh, I don't know if this is a long-term thing, but it's maybe something I maybe want to go down after football. I can stay involved in football at you know whatever level. And there was no none of the other players over here were actually embarking on that sort of road. So I thought, oh, I've kind of got a bit of a head start on other people. Um, and it kind of went from there. And 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 Ricky, um, you know, I'll always be thankful for Ricky for giving me that opportunity. And um, yeah, and to go straight into the first teams like unheard of at times. Um, there are a few coaches that have done that. And at the time, Ricky was the national team head coach. He was New Zealand's head coach and he was our club club coach. So to work with a, uh, an international manager um, and in 2010 took New Zealand to the World Cup. So a World Cup manager, head coach to ask you to be part of his backroom staff. Um, you kind of, you don't say no. And, uh, and it kind of materialised from there. Um, and then in spells when Ricky left, I, I stepped up to caretaker coach wasn't ready by any stretch of the imagination uh, but you're kind of thrown in the deep end and you you sink or swim and then through that we've had various coaches and yeah I've always sort of stayed within the backroom staff with, with most of the coaches that have come in um, and then eventually um, you know I'm now in a reserve team role um, so I've pretty much done every job at the club um, but this is a new one for me where um, I've got a group of players we're, we're training every single day we play competitive games at the weekend and um, and hopefully um, I'm kind of bridging the gap between the reserve and first team and kind of bringing that that environment closer together. Why I will tell you um, that gap is so big, but when you kind of step over it, it's so small, but it's trying to trying to bridge that gap in between and, and make the move for the young players into the first team squad a little bit more comfortable for them. Um, so hopefully it feels a little bit more like home um, when they're getting there. Yeah, I think I find that really, really interesting. It's quite, it's quite good to see, isn't it, as well, Andy, about how opportunities arise and using that experience to, uh, you know, to to put into those roles. Absolutely, but I, I think we've reflected on it before. Um, I think we did with Pilts in terms of, you know, you don't get things by accident in this game. You don't, you don't get lucky breaks. A lot of people refer to, oh, you've been very lucky, but no, you earn that luck. And Chris was always one of them, you know. 100% in training, 100% in matches, and away from the game as well, looking after himself. And, and, you know, it's no coincidence that he's gone on to do great things behind the scenes in football. So, yeah, a lot of people do talk about luck, but it's you earn your luck in this game. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's true. And uh, I guess I'm going to ask the question that's on, on Nathan's lips. If a managerial opportunity came up uh, a couple of years' time back in the UK, maybe at a club... That you might have played for before, what would you what would your thought process be? Because I could definitely see Nathan champion championing Chris Greenacre's Barmy Army. <laughs> oh, yeah, 
it's hard to say. You, 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 I think there's, a, there's always those old cliches that, that you never kind of go back because you kind of the memories that you've got there are so good. And, you know, you, you, you get the job there and you lose the first six games and then you find yourself out of work and everyone remembers you for being a shit manager, you know. So, um, so yeah, there, there's a bit of that. But no, it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's a fantastic club and, and, and completely in a different space to where it probably was stability wise where when we were there. Uh, Andy so um but yeah it's um yeah you never say never but yeah it's um yeah I'd have to get the wife back to England to start with so you'd have to <laughs> I, I'm gonna I say Chris you, back as a player that's, that's even now we do need a striker to be fair so yeah, we do anyone's free on on, on <laughs> Saturday I, I, I don't think you get those I don't think you get those views in Mansfield though Chris to be fair I know you've got fantastic uh, scenery at your uh, at your house yeah. so uh, <laughs> mate, on, that, mate, that's another thing to consider yeah, Honestly, I'm, I'm, uh, for context, Chrissy, Nathan's blind, so he obviously just listened to this. And honestly, Nathan, the view behind, purposely the camera's just tilted a little <laughs> bit further up so you can, so we can sort of see that backdrop. I look out of my window and, well, I can't even, well, I just see probably burnt out cars and uh, <laughs> some doggy people on BMXs, uh, you know. <laughs> Andy might see a little bit of Derbyshire countryside. Nathan will see, you know, rural Mansfield. But behind you, Chris... just about got the uh, floodlights of Field Mill here, so yeah, it's not, <laughs> not too bad. That's that's very very true. Uh, let's delve into that those memories at Mansfield, then, Chrissy. I know um, you started off at Leeds United, your hometown club. First and foremost, you know, me and Nathan, we, we, as kids, would dream of playing for for our hometown club, Mansfield Town. So be able to be able to put on that Leeds shirt as a Leeds fan. That must have been a, a big thrill for you to, to kickstart your career. Oh, it, it's, it's actually funny because um, a lot of people kind of think that I had kind of a big sort of profile at Leeds and it was literally like literally under 12s and 13s, but it's kind of been linked with this my sort of profile and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it, you know, as, as you do, you're playing local Sunday league football, play for your local district and then you go for trials here, there and everywhere. And, um, and Leeds were... I went on trial initially with Leeds and I had a four week trial and um, they basically sent a letter to my dad and said, like, don't call us, we'll call you. And my dad kind of kept me away from that. Um, but then within 12 months, um, Leeds invited me back again. They didn't realise I was the same player. And after one session, they wanted to sign me. Um, kind of moving on from that, I was there, I think, for about a year and a half, two years. Um, but at that year, I think Leeds, I think from a total of, say, 22 apprentices they let something like 20 apprentices go and there was only two I think two players from the youth team actually got pro contracts and at the time I hadn't quite signed my next year at Leeds and um and I think it was for like schoolboy forms or whatever it was and so as as a parent and and speaking with my family kind of looking what's the sort of chances of me actually getting in Leeds first team they've just let 20 players go so the longevity of trying to you know, find a pathway into the first team, you think, wow, that's that's might be quite difficult at Leeds. Um, I was having trials at like Sheffield Wednesday, Derby County and City as well. Um, and in their youth teams, there was a lot more of a production line going through and you were thinking, well, there's maybe more of a pathway either of these other three clubs. So I kind of steered away from Leeds um, and then ultimately, um, after various trials signed at, uh, at Man City, but I was very close to signing at Sheffield Wednesday and Derby County. Um, kind of sort of did all three brilliant clubs, really, really good clubs, made you feel welcome. Um, were offering me the similar contract to that I was getting offered at City. Um, but again, it was more about that pathway of trying to get into the first team. And, um, and 
ultimately City um, was the one that I chose. Yeah, it's, uh, and then you, you did manage to break in. You had a few loan spells uh, elsewhere at, at various clubs as well, but you did manage to have a handful of games in the City shirt as well, didn't you, before uh, you sort of really made it at Mansfield? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was very proud to to get in the first team there. Um, again, we, we got to a point, actually, when I left City, there was like 60 pros at one point um, and just had to eventually, Joe Royal, you know, wanted to offload quite a lot of us off the wage bill. And I don't mean that as in people were earning big money. There was just a lot of young pros on, on you know, X amount of pounds, but not not actually doing anything. We're not giving anything back to Joe Royal. And in a squad of 60 players, if you've got maybe 20 players earning half decent money, there's that's hindering his squad. And, and you know, now I look back and you understand why, at the time, sending us out on loan wasn't going to get Joe Royal back up the up the league and back into you know the Premier League ultimately where he wanted to be. So, um, yeah, I, I went had various loan moves um, as I was kind of coming through the ranks. And again, when I look back now, at times I probably the experience was great, but I wasn't. I actually wasn't ready to go out on loan. You know, some players develop a little bit quicker, and at the time I went on on loan and probably say found it difficult. I didn't find my shooting boots on those loan spells and um, although I got the experience playing and getting beat up a little bit and kicked and learning the game a little bit I probably wasn't quite ready to go out there um, but it happened and you, again you, you sink or swim and you're told to go out on loan that it'll help you and get you in the first team and you go for it and uh, so I did um, yeah and then in 1999 you end up at uh what was Field Mill. Andy, what are your recollections of your first meetings uh, with, with Chrissy? Obviously, player in the same position as you, almost at a similar age at the time as well, maybe one or two years uh, older, uh, but still at that point, a, a sort of a smallish squad, you're looking positional-wise, you're thinking, are you thinking, bloody hell, he's come to take me place here, or does that motivate you to, to try and kick on? What were your first impressions, what were your first thoughts when he initially signed on loan? For me, I was still um, doing my A-levels at school. Um, so I was only kind of training bits and bobs, really, with the Stags. And I think we've reflected on this in previous episodes in terms of my aspirations to be a footballer wasn't really on my radar. I kind of fell into the game. And I can remember, you know, coming maybe uh, during school holidays, um, during the summer, certainly, uh, training with the first team. And to see... Somebody like Chrissy in action week in, week out just inspired me really to, to to be that. You know, I wanted to become a professional football. Once I saw players like Chrissy, um, you know, the, the other players within the squad, um, it was, yeah, more inspiring than, than anything else. I, it was never on my radar to, to, to go and, you know, look at, I was a million miles away from the first team at that point anyway. So just to learn from somebody like Chrissy, to watch him train, to look at, his techniques, his finishing. I mean, it's still to this day the best finisher that I've ever um, played alongside or trained with. So to see that live was just phenomenal for a, for a school kid as well. What were your thoughts of Andy flipping it on the the other way, Chrissy? Because they, you know, he's just sort of said rocks up in school holidays. As as from previous chats with Andy, I know that he'd if there'd have been a pound or fifty p on offer, a little bit more elsewhere, he'd have gone there as well. So, uh, what were your first impressions of him? Oh, I mean, you just look at Andy's attributes and, and what he's got physically. You know, he's a physical presence, and um, it always was always a handful when he came into training for the for the centre backs. 
you know, when you've, you've got people like, like Les, um, you know, and Adam Barrett and stuff, marking him every day, it only sort of inspired him to, to get better and better. Um, but for a big fella, like, with the greatest respect, like with, with the bigger players with touch and stuff, often they question the touch of a, a big, big player, but Andy's touch and, and, and what have you was, was spot on. To say that you, he wasn't training every day, you know what I mean? It, it's a lot of catching up to do. And, you know, obviously in whatever time he did, you mentioned earlier about the work that goes on that people don't see, you know, the work that he put in on, on his finishing, on his hold-up play, you know, winning headers was a real handful, real handful. And, um, and for me, the type of striker I was to play against, oh, sorry, play with, um, you know, someone of his stature would take a lot of pressure off me. And, you know, at times I'd be there and get the goal, but there's a lot of work that's gone on through through people like Andy and the other lads in the squad that actually opened up gaps. And, you know, often um, they don't get the credit and Andy don't get the credit that they deserve for the, the off-field stuff. Yeah, Andy now in his own right, the goals he scored, the important goals he scored, he's, he's a legend at the club, you know, you know, for, for all the Mansfield fans, they'll never forget the goals he scored, you know, late on in that season. Um, but for me, playing in that sort of big little partnership, I think that's why we, we kind of clicked. And um, again, I owe a lot to him, um, you know, for opening those gaps for me and, you know, taking the big centre-backs away and taking a lot of pressure off. I can see why you idolise this, idolise this man, Nathan Edge, because so humble. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, legend from on, on the pitch when he was with us. But um, it's, it's so great to like, as I said at the beginning, I was excited but, um, to, you know, to see him and, and listen to it as well. Both of them. Uh, it's, it's bringing back all those memories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to delve into the partnership a little bit more later on. But I want to go back to uh, the very start when you first became a, a stag. We've had on numerous players uh, and, and coaches, etc. On, on the podcast. In a couple of days' time after recording this, we're going to be doing a, a show live with Stuart Watkins and Neil Richardson. So we'll talk a little bit about them later on as well. We'll get you to record a bit of a video message for them as well and for the fans that are going to be there. But how did you become a stag? Because obviously you'd had a couple of loan spells elsewhere. They didn't quite materialise the way you wanted them to, as you said. Was when you was when the offer came from Mansfield Town to come, was you thinking in your head, I've got to now hit the ground run. It's now or never if I want to make it. Yeah, I've, 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 I'll just I'll sort of retract a little bit for you because the, the fans will really like the sort of the start of my next story. But um I got released from from City, and Joe Royal said that I was, you know, surplus to requirements, and um, I, and it was a bit of a shock because I still had quite a bit of time on my contract left. Uh, excuse me, I had a bit of time on my contract left, and um, you know, I remember sitting down with my dad and my mom and saying, "Look, you know, I've, the club don't want me anywhere. I've been here since I left school. You know, what we're going to do?" And had a chat and stuff, and within within a few weeks, um, there was interest from from. Billy did and at Mansfield um, and our reserve coach said to me you know Billy's a good guy that would be a good long thing that would be a good move for you um, you'd probably fit in well with how Billy is and what he's about and stuff so I was like yeah 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 but there's too much going on in my head now I'm like I, I don't know what I'm going to do um, and actually I kind of put it on the back burner not intentionally but I actually got a, um, an invite to Chesterfield so yeah, so I, so I actually went to Ch I, yeah I went to Chesterfield right. So I trained the week leading into actually when I went to Mansfield. So I trained for the week, and I got to like Thursday or whatever it was, and 
they said, oh, we're still not sure whether we want you or not. And anyway, Billy had been on the phone and said, look, come to Mansfield, you'll play on Saturday. So straight away, I went in to Mansfield. On my debut, I scored, I think I trained one day. I scored on my debut against Lincoln. Twice. Twice, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, on the Monday and then, uh, on the Saturday, sorry. And then on the Monday, um, Chesterfield were on the phone. Yeah, we definitely want a striker. And that's how I kind of went up yours. So my rivalry with Chesterfield came from before you lot even realised. <laughs> for a so moment, was, for a yeah. moment, I, I could see Nathan ripping up his Greenacre shirt for a second <laughs> when you said that you were on the brink of signing for them. But yeah. he turned it round beautifully, Nathan. Yes. I know your internet dropped out at one point. Did you manage to catch that story, Nathan, or did you miss oh, it? No, I, you missed it. I'm lucky. I, I got that, yeah. That's that's fine. So you know, for a moment, Nathan could have turned from hero to villain, but very did a very quick U-turn back to to legendary hero again. So I said to I said to my dad like, oh Mansfield. Well, my dad said basically just go go down the M1 instead of turning right, turn left. I was like, oh yeah, no worries, same same route, and then go left, and then you know was there ever since. So I, I had a, a rival roof Chesterfield that people didn't actually realise uh, as well as you guys have. Ah, oh, just oh, unbelievable because little things like that fans will absolutely love as well. And, you know, you did hit the ground running as well. Like you say, two goals on your debut to train the, the day before. That must have been an absolute whirlwind. How old are you at that point? I think it was oh, 19-ish, was it? 19, something like that. Yeah. Yes. And to come in against, you know, we talk about Chesterfield and, and the rivalry there. There's a little bit of rivalry between Lincoln as well. So the crowd would have been a little bit of up there. So to come in and, and make a mark like you did, straight away you've sort of got that boost from the fans and the fans are like, we like this guy, let's let's get him signed up. Yeah, and I think I think initially it was, again, it was Billy. Um, you know you know Billy's mantra and, and how he is as a person. You um, you immediately feel warm with him. You're, you immediately feel comfortable with him. And, and for someone like Billy to go, come here, you're going to play every week. I know what you're about. I've watched you for a few years in the reserves. You know, just go and play. And and I think for someone to give you that gives you that sort of freedom and think, oh, I've actually got someone fighting my corner now. Where for a few months I maybe felt a little bit isolated, a bit on my own, going, what am I going to do now? You know, agents were no longer contacting me. Didn't have an agent. You know, suddenly I kind of gone stale if it was and then and again conversation with my family going you know what if this comes off I really need to it's either sink or swim I either get my career back on track or you know I probably just fall out of the game and um and again money wasn't money wasn't a an, an issue it was about getting my career back on track as quickly as I could and scoring two on you on your sort of debut for a, a, a team that you you don't you don't know any of the players. I think I only knew, I think David Kerr was the only player I knew from City there. And Dave was playing in midfield. So he was the only player I knew in the in the dressing room. So um, yeah, just hit the ground running and had a pretty decent start, I think. Yeah, dream start. And it shows Andy as well, doesn't it? That impact to, of Bill did. And we, we spoke a lot about him, but uh, that influence to, to, to give a young player the belief to, to go in and I know it was sort of similar with you when you sort of broke through sort of his mentorship along with Skip as well. It just shows how pivotal that actually was to what we went on to achieve. Absolutely. I think, you know, being a good manager is about identifying what gets the best out of certain players. You know, some players need an arm around them, some need a rocket. And Billy, 
he had that ability to look at a player and and, and know exactly what is going to make him tick, you know, exactly what is going to help them performances. Um, and that was, that's not an easy trait to have. And, and Billy had that in abundance. And also the fact that he's just a nice bloke, you know, he's a real nice bloke, down to earth, tells you how it is, but also says it with lots of sensitivity. And I think myself and Christine are, are similar in that respect in terms of we like that, that security, we like that, arm round is we like as you know that confidence boost and obviously that brought the best out of Chrissy and me in some some parts. <laughs> is that something you'd agree with Chrissy? Definitely. Now now I'm on sort of this side of the fence now. Um you know man management of just man management of people is to get the best out of people. It doesn't matter what regard you're in, whether you're in football, you work in a bank, whatever it is, it's about getting the best out of people and um, there's a I think there's an art to it and um, even even my time here at Wellington um, you know Ricky Herbert had we had players from sort of all over the world and he had an ability to get good people together and often they'll they'll grow go through a brick wall for you and, and Billy's the ex, exactly the same you, you could get a you know, maybe a kick up the backside at half time, but you know what? You you didn't feel under pressure to go. Oh, I don't want the ball. I don't want to play. Like I want to do it for this guy, and um, and and that's an art, I think. So let me just sort of retract a little bit. I mean, you have to forgive me a, a little bit because I actually didn't start becoming a, a full on Stags fan until probably the back end of the o one o two season. So. I missed all the good stuff. I've obviously watched all the, the goals and everything. I can completely see why fans took you to heart and listening to you after the last half an hour or so as well. I can completely see that. But I didn't. my journey didn't really start until the back end of that season. So um, just to sort of tie up a few loose ends, was the initial season when you first started, 99-2000, um, was that alone till the end of the season then signed permanently in the summer? No, I signed, uh, initially signed, I think a month's loan and then literally... <clears throat> Towards the end of that, I think I signed another two months. So I, I ended up signing a three-month loan. And then as soon as the loan finished, I think it finished maybe in after Christmas sometime, January, I signed till the end of the season and then two more seasons. Yeah, and uh, uh, it, it was the season after that really where you sort of kicked on. But how quickly did you know that that was the club for you, that that was the, the, the breeding ground where you were going to go on and fulfil that potential which you knew you had within yourself? I think I think even just having this conversation now, just thinking back to when, like the Derby's, the Sheffield Wednesday's, the Man City's, feeling that, you know, I feel I feel good here. I'm playing pretty well here, um, and I think again, get brings the best out of you. And it's if I think if you're in an environment that you're not comfortable, and I don't mean that where you just put your feet up, but an environment that you're you. You're kind of thriving in, and it, the environment's getting the best out of you. I think why why would you want to sort of move on? Um, and it, I mean, you'll probably go into it a little bit later on. But again, some of the the younger players coming through, Andy again, one of them, young, hungry players wanting to be successful coming through, and then you've got players, you know, the senior players that came in sort of later on, and and Les joined when when I was there, and, and Tanks and everybody, like lads that still had a hunger and a desire to do things. So when you're in this put into this cauldron of environment and things are going well, you're like, this is all right. We could how far can we take this, you know? And um and I was certainly felt at home immediately. Is is that why you perhaps felt a little bit more, you know, comfortable going forward and, and really found your groove? Because I'm looking I was watching through some of the goals uh which you scored. 
different variety of finishes. It wasn't just a, a, a stereotypical fox in the box. You could score from outside. You could fling an overhead kick in there every now and again as well. You scored some absolute belters for us. I think one in particular, just over the halfway line, um, was it against Cheltenham? You loved the keeper. Yeah, yeah. Opening day of the season. So um, I, I was always pretty lucky on the opening day of the season where I always seemed to seem to score. I don't know what my record was on the opening days, but I seem to have a knack of scoring. And um, to be honest, it's going like the backstory to it. I'm not sure what minute the game went in, but I'd literally not touched the ball. I hadn't touched the ball. And whether it was out of frustration or what, but it just came. I thought, I'm just hitting this. I'm fed up. I haven't touched the ball. So I, I feel like I'm in, but I'm working hard, but I'm not involved in the game. And there's a bit more I think relief and stuff out of that than than it was anything else, and that's that's the absolute truth. Um, but it was funny the week after because I think we played, I think we played Barnet away. I think Blakey scored one from like same thing, maybe not quite as far, but he's landed one in the middle of the pitch and he's volleyed one in the top corner as well. And we had this role, and then there was another one the week after where someone else had done it. So it started a trend. So it was it was pretty pretty funny. But um, yeah, the opening game of the season, I'd not touched the ball, and again. Probably more out of frustration than anything. But at thankfully, what, to the top corner. <laughs> at what point did you know it was going in? Did you feel it as soon as oh, it hit your boot, or was it literally just that? Oh, I just want to witness. Oh, I knew, I knew, it connected all right with it, and I'm, and you're just hoping maybe the. I can't tell you what I was thinking. I don't even think we had we'd not done any sort of research on the keeper, so it wasn't like oh, he stays off his line, so maybe hit one. I just kind of hit it, but I've hit. It, I thought oh, that's that felt quite good, and oh, hang on a minute, and then I think my last memory is that I think. Uh, I think it was Buck, the goalkeeper, was literally full length, like full length. And I'm like, no, that's in. And then, uh, yeah, rest is history. It's on YouTube as well. I saw that earlier on, I'm sure. Uh, maybe you, you, I'll send you the link if you've not found it. And you can take it to training when they're, when you're doing a bit oh, of yeah. shooting. Just say, lads, don't worry if you're on the halfway line. You can have a pop, but it's fine. This is how yeah. it's done. This is how it's done. Yeah. Did yeah. you have a... Half of my players don't even know I played, so <laughs> keeping that I wouldn't be keeping that quiet. I'd be getting the, the show reel out and uh, saying this is how you finish. <laughs> Belters in there. When you were ever in training, Andy, having seen that goal maybe from the stands or, or watching it back, would you were you ever tempted to try a Chrissy think, well, if he's doing that, I need to maybe drop off a couple of yards and maybe try it from your own half? <laughs> no, I think I think one thing about myself, I know my limits, and that's definitely not in my repertoire. Of a, of, a, of a footballer to, to to pull off a goal like that. It was incredible. I think I can remember, I, I don't think I was involved in that day. I was kind of, yeah, probably back back home at Field Mill sweeping the stands or something. But um, <laughs> it was it was definitely a, an inspirational goal, let me tell you. And I think Liam Lawrence tried it a few times and uh, he might he might have succeeded once. But yeah, he's, uh, it, it definitely was a special goal. I remember the one against um, Rotherham as well on the Friday night, Chrissy. Um, it was live on Sky, wasn't it? And I think you just absolutely levered it. And I can't remember the score of the time, but did, did we go one nil down? And then we came back and kind of won three two. You and Mickey Bolding, but that was yeah. an absolute fire rocket of a goal. Yeah, since since then it's funny because I never, I, I never saw myself scoring. I didn't, I didn't think I scored that many from outside the box to be honest. And again, that was another one of. Um, I think I actually think Ali Asher was at right back, and I think he was trying to hit someone on the other side of the field, but he struck it. But it's just come on my chest, and mm. again, it's come down. And Andy will tell you, as you, as you know, sometimes when it just pops up right, you just think, yeah, just give this some. And um, you know, thankfully, it, I think it hit the post and went in. But yeah. um, again, it was a 
live on Sky and you know the rivalry, the the rivalry between Mansfield and Rotherham and and all that kind of stuff. I think they were going well in the league as well. And I think I think Clarkey scored. Daryl Clark scored mm. late on in the game. Top finish. He kind of ball was flicked on. And he's I think one v one with the keeper. He's kind of half volleyed side foot to the bottom corner, right at their end in front of their fans and casually is like. So I went to the fans and got covered in pie and hot dog and <laughs> off-roll and everything else. And uh, But now it was a good night for us. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we keep talking about these special goals. I want to take you to September 2001, Shrewsbury, overhead kick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I vaguely remember. I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember more about, because I think they were... they were right up at the top of the league with us. And I think it might have been a game that we identified that we... We really needed to win, and I don't know what the reason was, whether they were near us or just the nature of where the league was. But we needed to uh, we needed to win that, and yeah, I think it was quite late on in the game, and uh, it's a bit special for me that one because um, my my schoolmates, lads that I grew up with from football, never never came to see me play or anything, but quite a few of them came down that night. So I think I run down and celebrate with them down at the other end, but. I got them the wrong ticket, so I had to run a long way. So, yeah, just again, it was just, you know, you, it's just on instinct, isn't it? And you, you know, you, sometimes you connect. There's probably another hundred that I didn't connect with, but it happened to be all right on the night. And we got the three points, which was the main thing. When you look back and you look at how many goals you scored over that two and a half year spell, it's a really, really good amount and it it really did set you up and as much as we sort of spoke about Andy's goals towards the back end of the season three and four games he never lets me forget that he scored against Cheltenham he has a little dig about that all the time so I forgot about it the first time we recorded um yeah. you know the amount of goals you put in really helped propellers up the league and you got off to an absolute flying start I've got the whole like booklet of stats here because obviously I, I really struggled to remember about like obviously some of the games I don't think I started watching till the end but pretty much you know, first month or so of the season, you're on pretty much double figures before you get to, you know, mid-November. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's one of those where I think the vein of form that the, the club was in, I think going into the season with the amount of, you know, we had quite a young squad and obviously, you know, the status of all the young players coming through and the quality of the young players coming through. Um, I think, within the squad and within the four walls of the dressing room, we we knew we we had some good players in that dressing room. I don't think anyone on the outside, outside our dressing room knew about what was going on in there. Um, but I think, I don't know if it was that pre-season that we, I think we played Sunderland, I think we played Middlesbrough. We had two really good results, I think, against both of them. I don't know if we beat, we beat Sunderland and I think we may have beat Middlesbrough, drew with Middlesbrough, but for young players coming in, and these were, don't get me wrong, pre-season games, but, I think the Middlesbrough game, like Alan Boxic had just signed for Middlesbrough and was on at the time. I think I remember Dean Windass saying to us that he was on like 60 grand a week back then, like massive money back then. So they got, I mean, Ugo Ekio, Gareth Southgate played the set. They were all, both teams were at full strength. And for our young players who had only played in the reserves to, to, to get pre season wins and, and good performances against two top teams and top players, I think kind of gave us a real belief that going into the season, if we play anywhere like that, we'll, we'll go all right. And I remember us having a, a really good start to the season. Um, but, um, but yeah, we had so much belief within within the dressing room. It was uh, it was pretty, pretty cool. At what point did you know that 
Billy was going to start bringing the younger players through because obviously Skip had had them as a as a group probably since sort of the mid nineties and brought the likes of Andy, Liam Lawrence, Leroy, Bobby, Diz, all of those sort of players through with him. At what point did you did you know that Billy was going to put faith in them? Obviously, with Skip as his assistant now to sort of make that transition. Yeah, I think, like I say, going back to, to to the job that Skip did with them was phenomenal. We used to, when we were training and stuff, we'd watch them and we'd watch some of the quality of them and then they'd kind of get brought across and get involved in some of the first team sessions. And then, you know, they actually, I think the nature of the club and kind of close-knit community feel, like Mansfield is as a place in general, you know, everyone looks after their own, everyone's close. They found it quite easily, I think, to come into the dressing room. And again, with the players that Billy had put together, we kind of embraced it. There was no, we need to embrace these sort of kids. But I'm also talking like I'm 35. I'm only 21 myself, you know what I mean? So I'm not much older than them. But, you know, some of the qualities that they were showing um, in training showed that they, they, they wouldn't stand out and they just got they just got better and better but i think andy will probably tell you better than i will but they kind of drove each other as well the, the camaraderie and the way they'd come up together and the banter and stuff they actually brought it into the dressing room i wouldn't say at times took over the dressing room but it was it was pretty strong and i think that helped them settle and go you know what actually lads we're, we're all right we've got a chance here and um it was just that combination it just worked it just worked you're nodding along, Andy. Absolutely. But but I think also it's about that transition from, from youth team to first team is, like Chris has acknowledged before, a really big step. And I think if you haven't got those those characters within the first team dressing room to to kind of nurture this talent and to actually, you know, to welcome them like like the first team did. You know, I can remember vividly Chrissy taking me to one t one one side a number of times just giving me little bits of advice you know just I can remember in a, in a little kind of passing drill and a, a you know a possession drill he's like Andy just relax on the ball and it, and it just went so far you know those little nuggets of information and it's just about those kind of types of characters that were in within the dressing room yes the transition from youth team to first team is a big one but it was helped so much with the characters that were already in the first team to enable that to happen and it was just a yeah a, a good a good kind of recipe for success really what sort of a dressing room was it Chrissy because when you talk about young players coming through especially in that era I think a lot of fans would sort of automatically go down the route of well there's going to be a lot of pranksters there's going to be a lot of uh jokes there's going to be a lot of messing around but from what I've heard and from from other people it almost seems like the professionalism was was there automatically yeah, it seemed to be. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There were bits of the bits of banter and all that kind of stuff that you would expect in the dressing room. And um, you know, again, because they're also they're still young boys. But I, I say that you know, Robbo was at the top of the tree and he was one of the worst. So it's uh, <laughs> it's you know, so it, the 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 dynamic it, it just worked. But I think I think even in the background, I think we had like we had two or three like serious injuries. I think Sisso had been injured. I think Diz had been injured in the season. I think, I think Stuart Hicks was probably injured. It didn't, didn't play. Wealth of experience, played a lot of games, not playing, but watching this going on and, and in the background supporting what was going on. And it's easy to be when you're injured that you go, 
I've had enough of this now and also the team are doing all right and I'm not part of it and it's quite easy to be quite negative and um and the, again going back to the characters in the build like with Robo and 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 Tanks um you know David Kelly later on uh, Scott Sellers actually the reason they were still playing at the age they were because the stuff Andy sort of referred to me for of, of the way they looked after themselves you know that this this was their life and and that's why they were still playing to the the lengths that they were playing at, at their ages and again even for me the wealth of knowledge of even I always used to say you know Robbo used to say to me every every week you know you know Greeny just just work just work hard the goals will come and that that's all I needed was that that gave me a little right, I need to get after it here and hopefully the goals will come and so there was just this yeah this it just worked and um, I'm gonna say like. It, probably Billy and, and Skip and Neil Richardson when he came in, you know, a, a genius is putting these these characters together. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Les Robinson there, an absolute character we interviewed uh, the other week. Absolute top guy. As Chris Greenacre got a little Les Robinson store in his locker, Kev Pilkington was uh, slagging off his golfing skills. Uh, have you, is there anything in the locker that you can recall of uh, of Robbo? Oh, I, th- I did. I just think something in the program that everyone's probably seen, and and um, but that said the one. I don't know whether you read it in the program, but um, but yeah, I was my my uncle had been at work, and some he had a bit of banter with a guy at work, and on his reg plate of his car, he'd wrote um, TWAT and stuck it on the back of his car. And my uncle was driving around in it for weeks with this on, and he never saw it. So he came to our house, and I saw. I was like, "What's that?" And he was, oh, I know he's done that." So I thought this would be quite funny to do to Robbo. So I wrote something on the back of Robbo's car. But as I'm on my knees behind his car, he's like, oi. And he looks over and I'm like, oh, he's caught me. But he didn't do anything about it. So I just left it. I thought I might have got away with it. So um, that afternoon, I'm driving back up the A1 and he starts throwing it down, like absolutely teeming with rain. So I put the windscreen wipers on. I'm like, why? I've got no blades on my wipers. So I've had to pull over like, on the hard shoulder. Luckily, there's like a little chef. So I've pulled in a little chef. I'm like, the blades have gone off my wipers. So that night at about six o'clock, I get a phone call from Robbo. They're like, Chris, did you get home? All right, mate. It's like, not really, mate. And he just started laughing and put the phone down. So he got his, he got his own back me right there. But yeah, driving up there, one with no windscreen wipers in the pouring rain. <laughs> not a good look. So, uh, but uh, no, I got home safely in the end. But yeah, oh, he's, he was just a character. And again, um that that knowledge and, and that experience just to even just calm just calm a, calm the dressing room down and um and, and a lot of the senior players had that. You're smiling away there, Andy. Laughing at yeah. laughing at a, another Robbo classic. I'm I'm just, I'm just I'm just yeah, I mean I'm just thinking of some of the some of the stuff that Robbo used to get up to as well. Like I remember traveling back from uh, I think it was Episton we went training at the police old police headquarters. And obviously we were travelling back, you know, wacky races down the uh, A6 or whatever road it was. And then we pulled up to, um, to to the traffic lights in Mansfield. And we're all in convoy. Robbo's got out of his car, of his car gone to the, the, the car at the front. I think it was John Andrews. And he's, he's going, John, John. And he's out window down. An old, you know, an old proper wind down um, window. He's, he's nicked his keys, took his keys and thrown them into the head. Literally, like these keys are gone, and he's 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 at the front of this um, queue of traffic. Everyone behind you, like absolutely giving him some, and he's had to go and 
dig his keys out of the bush. <laughs> Stuff oh, like that. And there was a Christmas tree as well in Nottingham. Uh, I don't know if you remember it, Chrissy. We stopped over in Nottingham in Travel Lodge. And yeah. I know, I, I don't know to this day who did it, but I've gone visiting with Robbo. I mean, um, we've had a, about four o'clock in the morning, like there's an alarm going off. We've all had to evacuate the hotel. Every single, yeah. every, all, all the lads, all of the guests of the hotel are out in the car park for this, um, some, a, a bomb alert. And, and I, I am convinced that was, that must have been Robbo or someone. I still don't know to this day. I don't think he's ever admitted that. I don't know if it's if you have got an inkling, Chrissy, but that was uh, that was another one of Robbo's right up history. I'm sure of it. The the car one was great because I was in Robbo's car because he was <laughs> yeah. like, "What's he doing? What's he doing?" And then we say, "Fling the keys," and then gets in, and then we're oh, brilliant. Yeah, good stuff. I think with the alarm one as well, I think everyone was out on the street and then you get up the next morning, everyone's like hanging off and um, Ray comes down all chipper and chirpy and that, oh, good sleep, lads. Like that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> horrendous. Class, absolute class. I mean, there was another one, I can't remember who was uh, telling you, it might have been Pilks, but I think Pilks was a bit reserved uh, to go into it, talking about a, a little story, Andy, can you remember talking about your little trip uh, to Portugal after Billy left, something to do with sun lounges? Yeah, I think uh, I think Chrissy and Pilks and the rest of the golfing lads have gone um, gone golfing for a day. Come back and obviously we're around the pool on on the on the juice and um, there's just there's there's just patio chairs flying around the swimming pool and they've got back thinking what the hell? There's just like patio chairs floating in the swimming pool and they've just come back for a game of golf, wondering what the hell's going on in here. Uh, yeah, that was a good that was a good good trip. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't go on that trick. I had a, I had a family bereavement, so I didn't go. And um, but one thing I remember about it, I think, I think you got there, and I think uh, Danny Bacon like he packed gloves or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's put, oh, I've got my gloves in just in case. I'm like, oh, Danny, mate. <laughs> oh, class. I mean, uh, stories like that are brilliant to hear from me. From behind the scenes because I think it just shows about how much together as a group you are I think when you're comfortable like that with each other when you can play little things and it doesn't get too heated it doesn't get too serious I think that just shows how together you are because you talk as well about uh, a time especially with the Portugal trip where a manager's left and it's a transition so that's could be quite a difficult one as well but it just shows how much of a, uh, a good group it was I want to come back to on the pitch because we keep talking about you know specifically the end of the season the you know the Cheltenham game the Carlisle game but there's other games in there as well which were really pivotal to Mansfield season none more so than the FA Cup run which we've not touched upon too much Andy no no we uh, I think we got to the third round didn't we Christy and I know that um that third round game at Filbert Street um we we held we held our own I know I know Chris's uh, alluded to the fact that we we, we held, you know, we, we beat Middlesbrough and Sunderland in pre-season, but we had a really good cup run that year as well. I think we beat Huddersfield in the second round, and then we um, we got through to the third round and, and took took Leicester right to the wire. And they had some decent players. They were a Premier League team at the time, I think, Christy, weren't they? Um, you know, you got Dennis Wise, um, Adi Akinbae, some some good good Premier League players, and we took them right to the right to the end with that game. Yeah, I saw a little story on Facebook earlier. So I was looking back some, through some old photos, obviously to like get the you know the marketing stuff for this. And in fact, it was you that left the, the comment, Andy. There's a picture post game of uh, swapping shirts. You might be on the picture as well, Chrissy, where uh, you're swapping shirts. Dennis Wise has got his top off, and I think 
Um, I can't remember who it was asking for, for whose shirt, but I think you, Andy, said something along the lines to Dennis Wise of, uh, I'm the wrong size for you. You want someone like Robbo or something like that. Brave no, it, it, Dennis Wise, if it was you. I think it was Robbo who made the comment, wasn't it? Um, about yeah. That probably makes more sense. I was, to be fair, I couldn't see you saying it, to be fair. but <laughs> No. I was up hacking by his shirt. He's more my stature. <laughs> that must have been incredible to play against like the likes of uh, Dennis Wise as well. Did you manage to get a, a Leicester player's shirt at the end of that, Chrissy? Yeah, I got uh, James Scowcroft's shirt. I think he scored there. Uh, I don't know if he got two actually. Or he definitely scored for them. So I ended up getting his his shirt. So I've still I've still got that in my collection somewhere. But, he was um, a good player as well, Anthony Scowcroft. Yeah, top player, top player. Um, but yeah, they were at full strength. They had everyone playing. Muzzy is it. You know, Dennis Wise, you name them all, they were they were all there. And um, it was just a distraction from the league. And again, we, were, we weren't we were frightened about going there at all. We actually thought we, you know, we, we'd do all right there. And we did. And Tanksell gets reminded of this every week on the group chat that he's, um, you know, missed a big header at the last few minutes. But um, yeah, it wasn't to be. But again, it showed us, it showed uh it showed what we were about and that we, we had that, that belief that we could go and get a result against a Premier League team. Who, who are we to think we can do that? But we, that's what the mentality was. Well, if it wasn't for you and for your goals in particular, you wouldn't have got there. You scored the only goal in the in the, the first round against Oxford at home. And then in the Huddersfield game, uh, you know, again, also on home turf, the match ball came home with you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I don't remember the Oxford goal. For some reason, I don't know. Don't remember that, but no, remember obviously remember the hat trick. Um, I thought the ball's actually there. <laughs> um, I was going to say, have you got the ball still? But oh, give me a second. There we go. He's 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 prepped, isn't he? He's prepped. Look at that. Oh, it's, he's still, I think he's, that's it. That is. That must that must so, take you back, Andy. Seeing that it does. I was just about to think what sort of ball we were playing with back then, but yeah, yeah. some mitre, yeah, yellow yeah. mitre. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, again, it was, you know, um, against Huddersfield, again, they were, I think, the division above. I think in the other cup competition, I think we'd beaten Notts County as well. So we we we, we thought we, we really had an opportunity. And um, just personally, it was a, it was a good day for me on the goals front to, to get a hat trick and, and kind of keep us marching on into the next round. And um, yeah, yeah. Was that your first career hat trick? Um I can't remember actually. First or second? Actually, no. Actually, I think it might have been my first one. Might have been my first one. Yeah. I, I like how you had a little glance across then to see how many match balls you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. There's just another one there. That's all. I can't. I was trying to remember which one it was, but anyway. Yeah. Um, who, who was the other one for? Was it another Atrick for Mansfield, or was it when you were later on maybe at Tranmere? I think no, it wasn't. It was. Yeah, it was against uh, Halifax, I think. Because I got, I had actually got a, an Atrick taken away from me. We we went to the went to the Shea, I forget what year, and we pumped them like four or five, I think. And um I scored two and the last cross came in and I got a touch on the header and it went in the far corner. And after the game, I've got the ball off the referee. The referee's given me the ball. And then Billy came in afterwards and said, What you got the ball for? I said, scored a hat trick. He went. The, the referee doesn't think so. Said, well, it's come off my head and I've got the ball. He's given me the ball. All right, we better check that up. And on the Monday, they didn't give me the hat trick. And it was, it come, it come off, it come off my head. So I went to my local park and there was a team playing. 
say, like, do you want a new ball? Give him that ball. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So he didn't go down. So I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I was gutted about that because I would think, you... I think I'd, I'd scored a hat trick against them at home and then I would have scored a hat trick against them away. And um, that's the disappointing part of it. So, yeah, I never got the, never got it credited with it. If that was uh, you in that position, Andy, and you'd have had it taken off you, would you have just kept the ball? Would you have just gone, nah, it's mine? You can do your goals committee, do what you want, find me, I'm keeping it, I'm claiming Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, didn't mean anything to me. So, yes, give <laughs> someone else it. Oh, brilliant. I think it's so good. I mean, one thing I, I sort of saw about you as well, obviously, it was Mez the groundsman's birthday a few uh, weeks ago. And you did a little video for him. A lot of the ex-players did as well. And you, you even had your old uh, old shirt back. You, you put the shirt on and everything. That's How much of that stuff do you keep? How much memorabilia do you keep? Because I know some footballers just go, no, I, I'm done with it. I might keep the odd like program or whatever. But you've got the mat, you've got a couple of match balls. You've got a, a shirt. How much did you, you have you kept from that time and that era? Yeah, I, I was actually a bit bit silly with that thing with Mezzers because his son Scott contacted me and I just thought it was just for privately. I didn't realise it was going out online, so I wouldn't have done that otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, no, I've, yeah, my wife says I've got a bit of a shirt fetish. So I've, I've collected quite a lot of shirts throughout my career and I've got them not up on walls, they're in, they're in boxes, which is a shame, but. You know, I can't afford to put them all in frames, but you know, no, I've I've got a bit of a, a a little bit of a collection. I don't mind some of the stuff. Um, yeah, collecting bits that 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 mean something. My medal actually from Mansfield's at my mum's back in England, so she she's still got that. So that's that's kept away, kept safe. But yeah, no, I do I do I do hang on to stuff. So my wife hates it. So that's why it's in boxes and stuff. So, <laughs> well, yeah. here's the chance to uh, please your wife and to make her a bit of money on the side. Nathan Edge, get the checkbook out. How much are you going to bid for a Chris Greenacre shirt? Oh, money can't buy something like that. Well, it literally can. I'm giving you the chance now to, to make a bid. <laughs> oh, that... <sighs> give you a grand. Go on. Yeah. When when I'm gone, my wife will sell you it, no doubt. So no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got in, in my loft, obviously I've got my old stag shirts from being a fan, but I've actually got a Tramia shirt as well. Nobody knows yeah. this. I've got a shirt what? and a scarf of Tramia, which is, again, your fault, Chris. Um, <laughs> so he's even I was at school and um, a teacher who was a, from Tramia uh, gave me gave me it because he knew I was a big fan. So, yeah. Wow. Nobody knew oh. that. I've just... You know, and I always thought to you, I always thought Mansfield always mattered to you, Nathan. I thought you'd have you'd, you'd kill the association, but you're telling me you've got shirts from elsewhere as well. Yeah, oh, shocking! Shocking. Uh, let's go back to uh, to that cup run then, because I think am I right in thinking, Andy, that actually it's, that was the last game, wasn't it, of Billy? That's that was the last one. The Leicester one, yeah, Filbert mm. Street. Um, I think he told us in the dressing room <clears> straight after that game. Um, and it was just a case of, as you were really, obviously Skip took over. That transition from, obviously, gutted that Billy left because of his personality and the, the type of character it was. But mm. I truly believe he, he knew that, obviously, Skip could 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 lead us, could lead us home and, and get promotion, uh, which is why he kind of made the decision he, he made. And, and, and it obviously worked out well for, for him and also for us at Mansfield. For you, Chrissy, though, are you a little bit gutted? Because obviously, you know, like you, you, you said at the top of the show about Billy's uh, impact and um, uh, and stuff like that, and about, on his career, etc., uh, and your career. Would you a little bit? Um, would you a little bit 
gutted when he sort of made that decision? Absolutely. Um, you know, I was incredibly loyal to him and he'd been really loyal to me. And, um, you know, I, 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 and on heart, never saw it coming. Absolutely never saw it coming. I, I'm not sure if any of the other players did. I can't vouch for them. But from a personal point of view, I had no idea. I was like, wow, wow. And I still couldn't understand it, to be honest. And obviously, you, you appreciate, you know, why Billy did it and stuff like that. He's on. He can answer that. But yeah, from a personal point of view, I was absolutely gutted. But um, from the, on the same token, again, with, with Stu taking over, um, like there was no questions that he wasn't he, he was capable of of doing it as well and um he probably admits himself it probably came sooner than he probably wanted it but again you know he's that type of character that you know was part of this dressing room as well um with his experience of all right let's go let's have a right go at this and and for him you know he was working now with players that he's not now but the the core group he's brought through he, you know he knew everything that they were you know everything that they were about and um again going back to that maybe comfort side of it that he'd now got you know players who were in his youth team and, and were very close with him so i think they thought as well this is a great fit and um and in the end it ultimately was was the right fit before we delve into that final running and and some of the games and the goals involved there what were your, what what sort of was your contact like with Billy uh, with Billy after that as your career sort of progressed? Did you manage, did you stay in touch as the years went on as as your career progressed? Oh, now, now and again, now and again, and I'd, and I'd see him from time to time and stuff. And um, you know, there was you know no hard feelings or anything. Not not that there would be, but like Andy mentioned before, he's such a such a lovely guy and stuff. And um, his company, he, he keeps great company. He's very. You know he's very social and stuff, and very inviting. So um, at times, you know, you know, I'd see him and would reminisce a little bit. Um, I actually spoke to him actually a couple of years ago. Actually, uh, when I was back in England, I, I gave him a call, and it was good to to catch up with him and um, see how he was going, and, and know that he was he was going well. So it's good to see him him, him going going well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, delve into uh, the back end of that season now. Obviously, you come back. They come back from the from the Portugal trip, and they get the the next game out of the way, and then they sort of start to uh, to to kick on after that. But obviously, you know, it, it's January. There are clubs sniffing around. You've had two really good years at the club. Are there offers on the table at that point for you for the for the club to potentially cash in and and for you to move on? Yeah, the one. The, the main one that I kind of was across was um, Wigan came in um, and I think initially they offered something like, I don't know if it, I was led to believe it was like 400 or 450 grand or something like that. And um, the club wanted, I think Mansfield wanted me to stay for the Leicester game. Um, and then after the Leicester game, they would have allowed me to have gone to Wigan. At that time, I only had six I think obviously six months left on my contract. So I think after that, Leicester was saying, now nah, we want him the week before. What the difference a week makes, I don't don't know. But um, but then they were saying, well, we're not going to pay 450 grand for someone who's got six months on his contract left. We'll offer you 200. And I think my understanding, it was, it was going to go through. And then right at the death, I think the chairman at the time, Keith Haslam, I think then wanted... 220 and I think Wigan just said nah no nah, it's not happening uh, we're not we're not going to do that um so that was kind of the, the closest it, it, it as I knew it came there was always rumors like sniffing around and stuff like that but 
as you know in football until you you sign on the dotted line it, it can be as many rumors as you want um but that was the closest it came and then in the end ultimately i was just like you know what i, I want to stay here i had a really good chat with with Stu, um with skip and um you know he was a big reason why i you know stayed um he, he said to me actually in the conversation he said look when we get back from portugal i know you've got your bereavement and stuff but he said if you're not here it won't surprise me but if you're here then that's that's great and um and knowing that you got the coach back in you was was instrumental in me staying as well um and also we're on riding this crest of of a wave and i didn't want to go anywhere else to be honest i didn't i didn't want to go i was happy where i was and the way we were playing um i felt like we could win games each week i was scoring i felt like if i wasn't scoring i was getting chances so i was I wanted to be part of it and um yeah it was a distraction for a bit i think only looking back not not so much when i was on the field playing but it's the other noise outside that you constantly it not so much me and my agent and stuff like that but the noise from other people everywhere you go what's happening are you staying are you going what's going on and that becomes a bit of a drag to be honest you know like and towards the end you kind of make i'm Staying, staying, and it was good to put that to bed finally, and then I could the, concentrate on what was important. Yeah, the uproar, Nathan, had that move gone through, would have been absolutely uh, ridiculous. But it also, given uh, the, the history of said chairman, wouldn't have surprised me. I think if they'd have offered maybe a pound more, I think uh, we, we could be having a different conversation entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not surprising. He's trying to get the extra twenty grand or, or whatever out of it, but. Um... No, I mean it was in in those days as well. We 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 had a bit of a habit of letting players' contracts run out as well and things. So, um, you know, I think most importantly, when we had such a, such a group of players coming through, like Chrissy, obviously, and like the others you mentioned, Andy, Liam Lawrence as well, and Williamson, players like that, you it's you want to keep all of them. You want them to be around the club because you've uh, you know you've, you've developed them and they're they're the future. So um, it was it was you know massive for us to obviously keep them. How much of uh, that did you know, Andy, about a potential move for, for Chrissy? I think there were murmurings around the club. Um, I think for us as players, it's not something we pay that much attention to. I think as soon as um, we knew that Chrissy was staying for the rest of the season, that was right. Yeah, this is on. Let, let, let's 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 do this. Let's let's go for it. So it gave us a little bit of a, but well, a, a massive boost really. But that Chrissy was was staying, and we had that consistency. You know, that's the important thing. That consistency, because to to replace a twenty goal striker is is not an easy feat, particularly at that level. So um, it was a case of right. This is what we've got. This is what we're going to do, and it just helped um, build that momentum into those those that final running. Yeah, and, and talking of that final run as well, um, just obviously looking through some of the, the, the games and the goals and things like that, I think you managed to get to 15 before Christmas, which is a phenomenal feat anyway. I think you always know that you're going to go on and achieve something if you manage to do that anyway. Towards the back end of the season, was there a little bit of a, a knock or a niggle? Were you missing for a few games? Was it a suspension or an injury which kept you out for a little bit? Or am I thinking of a, the wrong season? It might have been a different season. I think, I don't know if in that last season, I've I think I got rested for like one of the early cup games, I think. And um, I think I got, I think Stu left me out for, I think it was Luton away. Um, I think, um, yeah, I was on the bench for that one. Um, but I, I think pretty much ever present as I remember. I mean, I could be wrong again. I, I'm, I'm not too sure. You probably know better than I do. 
Well, I def- I definitely won't because I can't remember it because <laughs> was when I first started going. But uh, um, the man, you know, you were out of the side. Like I say, you might have been rested, but you also had Andy coming in there as well. And you two started playing semi-regularly t- together. What was that like as a partnership from from your perspective, Chris? Are you and uh, with Andy coming in uh, alongside you, did that sort of change your game up a little bit? No, again, as I mentioned before, that 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 sort of big little combination it just it seems to work and it's it's work it worked especially at that level um you know maybe at the top of that level it probably not as as prominent but at that time um again the big man was, was such a handful um you know and again he was improving week on week on week day in day out of training and you know and um there's no surprise that he got the goals that he did and as i said before and and not just andy but the other players around that you know you know some of the chances and deliveries that came into the box from like Wayne Corden on the left and you know Liam on the right and you know there was always chances and it's something that Andy and I thrived on and um, it meant that that partnership kind of kind of grew and um, you know it was good that towards the end you know I didn't I wasn't as, as prolific as I had been but then there was someone stepping in my shoes to 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 provide those goals so for me yeah disappointing personally that you know you don't continue that fate of a goal scoring form but you know what I've got mates in the team that we're, we're going to score goals as well we've got goals coming from midfield you know Adam Murray was scoring goals cards yeah. would pop up with bombs <clears throat> like you know even even to be fair like the defenders were coming up with goals and Pembo was bending in the top corner and all that kind of stuff so we we, we had goals throughout the team and um, and again our, our partnership kind of thrived on that at, at right at the right time I think yeah, well, before we t- we go to Andy and talk about that partnership, you mentioned one man in there who me and Andy talk about every single week. He was almost as instrumental as you were over a sort of a lot. You were instrumental over a longer period. He was instrumental over a short period. And that's Adam Murray, a young Adam Murray as well, who went on to be uh, become a, an absolute club legend. I think he had about four different spells at the club, uh, twice winning promotion, uh, then went on to managers uh, as well. What was he like to, to play alongside? Because he just seemed to bring energy even when uh, I mean I remember him at the back end of his career when he was struggling to, to run and uh, but he still had the emotion he'd run through brick walls even if he had no no legs left he'd still find a way Adam's like that in life he's just full of energy whatever he does you know what I mean in the dressing room was again he, he, he again I think going back to that man management stuff um, you know Skip bringing in that that type of character, knowing that he would fit into this environment well, and I think for him, because obviously I think Diz got injured and he, he sort of came in to replace Diz, and obviously with Diz, same character. You've got energy box to box midfielder who's scoring goals, and it was as though Diz got injured, and then Adam came in and just picked up the mantle. The player wasn't any different. It was we we're still getting a box to box midfielder, and, and and for us going forward, more importantly, he was getting goals. And I think he was, he literally hit the ground running with, I think he was about seven goals he scored in mm. 13 games. He, he kind of got a better record than the strikers. And, but but the character that came in was, was excellent and, and scored some big, big goals and had some big assists for us as well. Going to the, the partnership, Andy, from your perspective, obviously, you know, four goals in, in well, three goals in, in four games at the end of the season, one of which uh, you know, saw in the, the, the footage at the start, the one which helped to get us over the line and, and take us up. How much do you think you'd learnt from Christy having watch, watched him from when he arrived in, you know, 1999 as you were sort of 
getting your feet in as a youth team player and, and progressing through the ranks. How much do you think you'd learnt from him to get to the point where you were in the action and needing to provide? I think one of the main things I learnt from Chrissy was, you know, you train how you play. And, and Chrissy was all, always 100% in training, never gave defenders any respite. It was always on it. And even in like little shooting drills, it was always playing like he was in a match, you know, going going off against, sorry, going off against the, the defender or the mannequin or whatever. It was always training how he would play. And I think that enthusiasm for the game, but also the passion he, he had really did rub off on me. And I think in terms of a partnership, like Chris has alluded to, yeah, I was up there to upset a few, to, 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 to knock them about a bit. Uh, lay it off for the midfielders and then Chris's intelligent runs would get him through on goal or the crosses that had come in from Cords or the other wide players, Pembo, um, he'd get on the end of him because he had this knack of being in the right place at the right time. And I think that's something that you can't coach and that's something that Chrissy was just a natural goal scorer. I always remember speaking to, to Skip, and I'm sure we'll hear this this story and Stag stories live on Friday, Andy. But, uh, Christy, I'm going to come to get your views on it. I always remember hearing this story from Skip a few years ago where he talks about going into that final game of the season. He, you know, we, we'd sort of had a bit of a bad run of form, but we picked up, we got that excellent win, thanks to Andy, against Cheltenham at home where the, the, the fans were around the pitch, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then going into that final game of the season, needing to, to get the result that we did, so he speaks about practicing set pieces on the field mill pitch the day before the corner routine because the first goal we score on the, the day against Carlisle, I think, is probably one of the most complicated corner routine setups <laughs> I can I can remember in my life. I think let me see if I can get it remember it right. Muzz rolls it, I think, to Cords rolls it to Muzz, goes out round the outside of him. Muzz then dinks it in. I think it might have been you that heads it down, and then Cords. Um, volleys it in from the edge of the box. What do you remember about that? Because all Skip says is it was a disaster on the training pitch. And he turns to Richard when they set it up and goes, they've only gone for the most bloody complicated one. What are we doing here? <laughs> I think um I think I think what it what it does show you, I think with the with the running the way the results had gone for us during the week leading into that game, knowing that we'd obviously needed to win the game and hope results went for us. I think of all, I suppose, the noise on the outside and the chaos that's going on and people being a little bit uptight, I think it shows probably how composed and focused we were to get a job done because it's quite easily been put in that situation again. And I, what I recall, it was quite early in the game. Mm. And, you know, if, if in a game like that where you might go, you know what, I don't care what we've been practising, we'll just lump it in the box and we'll just hope for the best because that's the easy way out. That's the easy way out. But what it does is it showed that we had a, we had an air of composure about what we we're doing, and you know what, you know it's kind of shit or bust really, and 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 thankfully, thankfully it worked. Obviously, we'd had a lot of practice it the day before, but um, but yeah, it, it worked. But I think that just shows you the the composure and and sort of thought process and belief we had um, going into such a, you know, a high energy, high expectating game. Whose idea do you think it was to to play that most complicated corner routine first off? Because you know it, it's if it goes wrong the day before on the training pitch, if I'm a manager, if I'm Skip, I'm pulling me out. I'm saying, do not try that corner routine. Just stick it in the near post and get some get a flick on it. 
Whose idea was it to try the complicated one? I don't know. I had the easy bit because if it's too high, I just flick it on. But it was <laughs> I had the easy bit just to lay it off. It was it was chords that had the bit the, the big bit uh, the most important bit, and thankfully executed it perfectly. And uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we went from there. Yeah, and then the second goal again, another corner routine which comes in. Andy manages to 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 score it. Looking back over history, are you wishing that you were in Andy's position and it would have been you with the final touch to go out on on a high, or uh, is there a little bit of or, or is it just that thing of oh no, I'm just glad it's it, it, it's my teammate that that's got it in. Yeah, it, it, it was. I've got goose pimples now just thinking about it. Like I remember, I, f- I forget what vicinity I was. I was close to it, but I just remember you were near post. I think you were near. Yeah, you were you were near post. Yeah, I was. My in my in my head, I'm not that far away from it in terms of when he strikes it. But I just remember him hitting it, and he like he connected with it, and it went in, and we just uh, yeah, it just the we started to get it over the line and that's all that mattered it didn't matter who it came off it didn't matter how it went in and that's yeah in, in you go oh yeah, yeah everyone wants it to be them but it didn't matter it did it really didn't matter it was just needed to be whoever it is just get it over the line and um and after that for the first time um my memories of like i could then after that i could hear pockets of the crowd cheering and they were all on the radios and other results were going in like even on the pitch, like going, we're all right, we're all right, keep going, and and that again, I've got goose pimples. It's just, it's just a phenomenal moment to know. Oh my goodness, we've got we've got one foot over the line here. This might actually happen, but we need to keep keep level headed. And yeah, I'm going to come phenomenal. to I'm going to come to your final moments on the pitch as a stag in a stag shirt in a minute. But I want to fast forward to after the game. Andy always says about going into town after and. Uh, people chanting, chanting Andy White, White, White and things like that, where people chanting Chrissy, Chrissy Greenacre and not having to buy a drink. If you if you ever go to a bar in Mansfield, you'll probably never have to buy a drink again anyway. But uh... yeah. oh, One thing I remember about afterward, just the relief of it was just phenomenal. It was just the best feeling ever. And I remember we went out that night and I, I don't even know what time we parted on till and then I got up the next day in the afternoon. I drove back to Yorkshire. I went to my local pub and we went out again. I think I was out for about three days and I didn't have a hangover once. Like, I didn't have a hangover. And I used to get bad hangovers. I did not have a hangover. The euphoria of it and the feeling of it, you just can't, you can't, you can't put a price on it. You just can't put a price on it. And, um, you know, you, you tell the younger players now of actually what it's like to, to, to win something and the euphoria, the, 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 the feelings is just, it's priceless. It's priceless. Incredible stuff. Well, I'm going to come back to the on the pitch stuff now, because obviously you mentioned earlier about uh, potentially even in January, you, you stayed to see it through and got that promotion medal, which I believe is the, the only promotion medal that you ended up winning, isn't it? In, in the end, which I find staggering, but uh you know, that must be really special. But I, I think you were on a, a Tranmere podcast, I think maybe last year, an interview with them ahead of a Mansfield game and talking about your time there. And you record a story about you were taken off quite late on in the game to allow you to have that almost, that that last goodbye to the Stags fans. Take us through it from your from your perspective. Yeah, I had, I had, I had sort of no sort of, there was no preconceived ideas. I think it's something that, I think Skip thought might have been fitting for me if if that was going to be my last game, and um, I'll uh, I'll always appreciate that because it allowed me to say thank you to the fans for what they've given me, and 
appreciate the support that they've given me. And um, by that time, the the fans were they were on the side of the pitch. They literally were stood on the touchline, waiting for the game to end. And um, for me, just to I, I just I just wish I would have milked it a little bit more. Like you know, just to take it in for memories to remember now, where you kind of go, like, thank you. I've got to get off here. We've got to win this. We've got to get this over the line. And I sometimes wish I would have stayed on for five minutes and just gone like, let the referee book me to get me off or whatever. Just to <laughs> drag me off, get him out of here. You know, he's, the, he's tired yeah. of sort of thing. I don't um, think any yeah, Stags fans would have blamed you, blamed you for doing it though. To be fair, <laughs> uh, it was just just to appreciate, but but not only but not only for the fans, like for my teammates as well to say thank you for them because without without them as a as a goal scorer, without your teammates, without all the other stuff and you know, the clean sheets and, you know, how we were defending, how we were playing, everybody putting heart and soul into everything. You, you, you can't do anything without them. And, and, and without them, I wouldn't have scored the goals that I, I scored. And, and it just wanted to thank just everybody, just everyone. And um, and it was it was a long 10 minutes or whatever it was at the end, sat on that bench watching watching this unfold, thinking, just blow that bloody whistle, will you, ref, please? <laughs> <laughs> and eventually he did. And uh, that brings us nicely almost to the end of the story. We're going to come on in a couple of minutes to record a little message for, for Skip ahead of Friday night, but we're going to uh, turn competitive in just a sec. But one final question in terms of your career and your memories of Stags, in terms of where it ranks and that period of your life and career, in terms of where it ranks with what you've gone on to achieve and what you've gone on to, to do since, where does it, it hold in your memories? Oh, at the top, at the top, um, for a number of reasons, getting it gave me a platform to to get my career back on track. Um, the friends I've still got now, it, you know, even 20 years on, and like I feel like I'm still in the dressing room with Andy. Um, you know, we're still on chats, WhatsApp groups, and all this kind of stuff with with friends that will be friends forever. Um, for it being the only only thing that I won in my career, and I'm very proud of it. Ultimately, you're in you're in the game to start with to make a living out of the game to be a professional footballer but then it's about winning things and and that's the only thing I've won so of all the clubs I've been at that's the most success I've had um so it has to rank there at, at the very top um but yeah it just um just a, a wonderful time in, in my life and um you know I look back with with fond memories I just I just wish I could get some of the some of the games and some of the goals and stuff to be able to reflect on it and it, maybe appreciate it a little bit more than I, not that I don't appreciate it, but can look back just, just for, for me and maybe show my daughter when, when she's bored one day, if she's, if it's raining and she needs, I need to keep her occupied. Oh, this is a bit of daddy. Yeah. All right, dad. Yeah. I'm not bothered, but, um, but yeah, just, um, yeah, just, yeah, just to, to go over it again, but wonderful time, wonderful people. And um, yeah, it was quite a proud, proud time of my life. Well, when you're next back in the UK, please let us know and we'll arrange to, to get you some tickets to come back to, to Field Mill or One Core Stadium as it's known now. And I'm sure you'll get an absolute hero's reception as well. I just hope that you still have the same fondness for Mansfield Town in about three minutes time because it's time to get competitive. How much of a competitive person would you say that you are, Chrissy? Oh, very Okay, uh, we get this every week. So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to do a, a, a sports-themed quiz. So usually we would do it's the all about you quiz where all the questions would be themed around you. But for this particular series, we've changed it up a little bit. And it's it's uh, Mansfield Town, a question of sport, where you're going to face nine questions themed around sport. 
the first letters of which will spell out the word Mansfield. So the first answer will be an M and then an A and so on and so on and so on. Um, it's all against the clock and the person who gets the most right in the quickest time will be crowned the winner. A wrong answer is plus five seconds to your time. However, a pass is plus 10. So it's worth a go, even if you don't know. The clock will start when I've asked the first question. And as it's a Mansfield Town theme show, there'll be at least one Stags theme question thrown in there. Don't worry, that will be about the teammates that you played with uh, there as well. Also, with names, when it comes to, to names, um, it could be first name or surname. So, for example, uh, M could be Murray and A could be Adam for Adam Murray. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. you're up for it. You're up for giving it a go. Yeah, I am. I didn't know. I didn't expect this, but anyway. Let's go. We, ne- we, we never say it because otherwise they just get to go, oh, I'm washing my hair that day. So uh, we <laughs> yeah. always like to throw you under the bus. As Nathan will, yeah. will tell you. Um, don't worry, Nathan. There's no curveballs in there. There's no anagrams this time. I've left out anagrams for this series. Oh, which I'm sure, cause, you, Yeah. Do know it's early in the morning here, don't you? Yeah, yeah don't worry. It's, it's, I know. <laughs> We'll give you that. We'll give you that one. We might give you a little bit of discompensation for that or whatever. But here we go. Uh, right, the clock will start uh, in three, two, one. Which M floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee? Muhammad Ali. Which A is England's all-time top run scorer in cricket? <laughs> Pass. Which N is an Irish breed thoroughbred and the current winner of the Grand National? No idea. That's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Which S won promotion alongside you at the Stags, bringing an end to his playing career, which started at your Leeds United? Oh, I'll pass. (laughs) Which F prior to Andy Murray was the last British tennis player to win a men's singles Grand Slam tournament also a fashion brand oh Perry Fred Perry uh, which I are a league one side managed by Kieran McKenna and play their home games at Portman Road Ipswich Town which is a golfing term for a score two under par on each hole Eagle which L won the 2020 F1 drivers title picking uh, Pippin Viteri Bolas to the post Lewis Hamilton and finally, which D is the sport most associated with Phil the Power Taylor? Darts. Stop the clock. Nathan, come on, give me some abuse. What are you dying to for some of them questions? <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling on that on the Stags one as well, and I feel like that, that should have been the easiest one. Can you repeat uh, that one? The Stags, the stags question yeah. uh, was, which S won promotion alongside you at the Stags, bringing an end Ooh. to his playing career, which started with your Leeds United? I'll give you give you a clue. Stuart Hicks. Close. So it could have been a first name or a surname. Came in towards the end of the season, uh, promotion season. Didn't really have too long with us. Andy's trying to rack his brains as well. I know. And Scott Sellers. Yes. Scott Sellers, yes. It is, yeah, it is. Oh, Scott, yeah. I can yeah. tell you that you got seven correct, which is a, a Good score, considering, isn't it, Andy, to be fair, considering the questions Very and the good. way I put these together. I, I don't watch horse racing either. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, plus tw- I just oh, got, cricket. I... <laughs> <laughs> that much was evident, but uh, maybe, I should, maybe I should have stuck with the it's all about you and just done questions about you, to be fair. So, uh, I've probably got more in that quiz than me. This is where it all goes wrong anyway, because uh, Craig has to count. So, yeah, uh, yeah, you could, could yeah, be, could be here for a while. Yeah, I mean, you can <laughs> see I'm trying to work it out. Yeah, 116. 
141. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, you got seven correct in one minute, 41 seconds, which I think is a very good score, to be fair. I'd be relatively pleased with that. I think in terms of what the others have got, just trying to find some of the sheets so what others got. Andy, you got, what, what was it that you got? You got uh, a fair, fair score. Uh, Robbo got five in uh, one minute uh, 25. He was quick, but he just was was wrong. So he just rattled <laughs> through them. He's quick, but wrong. Uh, that's prob- Maybe that sums up his career. I'm not saying that because he, he scares me. Uh, Pilk's got, uh, what did Pilk's get? Pilk's got eight in one minute 20. So just behind Pilk's, to be fair. And Andy did well as well on his, but uh, we offered him a, an anagram um, to, to double his score, but only because I was feeling sorry for him. Uh, I just, due to, to complaints from the public, I decided to I, dis, I decided to scrap the anagram feature because, as Nathan will tell you, they're absolute stitch ups, aren't they, mate? They're awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, what's your final overarching memories of uh, of being a stag? Uh firstly from the, the the warmth that I got, you know, from the from the opening opening you know game that I played there, and I, I was welcomed from the moment I arrived at the club. I was, was welcomed into the town of Mansfield and um, I, tried, I tried to embrace everything that Mansfield has to offer and um, they certainly made me feel welcome. So that really helped in me, you know, producing some some decent displays on the field. Um, as I mentioned before, I met some, some wonderful people in the club, um, outside the club, uh, people that are still there at the club um, and, and also the teammates that I've, I've got and, and friends that I've got for life. So... Very, very happy memories. Something that will remain with me till till the day I die. And um, I'm just really, really proud of, of what we achieved as a as a group of men and and as a club to get to get promotion in in the way we did and the matter that we did. And some of the football we played was was on the edge of your seat stuff. And um, you know, I'm just really, really proud to be to be part of it. And um, yeah, I just got a lot of thanks to everyone. So just just thank you to everybody. Nathan, was that everything that you were expecting it to be, that you'd hoped yeah. it'd be? Oh, is, is that is, we've fulfilled a dream for you now? Uh, genuinely, um, we've we've done a lot of these uh, stag stories, and uh, you know, I'm genuinely not saying it has been has been my favourite. Um, you know, we you think sometimes with players, you you throw the word legend out, you know, willy nilly, but this uh, this guy definitely was a legend. Um, you know, uh, uh, at that time of the club, and even though I was young, like say seven years old, seven eight years old at that time, for me it was um, my time of sort of falling into in love with football, and um, a lot of that was, you know, thanks to to to, to Chris Greenacre and and the other players for that sort of uh, season and performance that they, they put in, um, and it's just made made even better the fact that we find out that he, he set up yours to Chesterfield beforehand. So uh, happy days <laughs> all around. Yeah, happy days indeed. And finally, from you, Andy, great to reconnect with your former strike partner, former teammate, and uh, idol as well. Absolutely, you know, twenty years. Where has <laughs> time gone? And um, it, it's you know, Chris has come across really well tonight. Is you know, uh, from that first day I I met him on that top pitch at Stags, uh, I just knew he was a kind of salt of the earth type of bloke, a real nice fellow. And there's no wonder he's done so well in the game. Um, and yeah, it's really, really great to connect again, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Really, uh, really yeah. great input, guys. Thanks so much for getting involved. Finally, Andy, um, obviously it'd be difficult to get Chrissy over to, to play in your vets team, but uh, are you maybe angling for a move after tonight? Maybe get yourself out for the warmer weather, a little bit of pre-season under your belt and see what happens one last hurrah? 
<laughs> yeah, together, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be lovely, mate. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I'd, I'm, I'm I'm as coachable nowadays with the extra weight I'm carrying, but I'm sure you'd soon put pay to that. <laughs> Fantastic uh, stuff. Thanks so much to, to Andy White, to Nathan Edge for joining us and to uh, Chris Greenacre as well. It's been an absolutely fantastic episode of Stag Stories. Much more coming soon. Make sure you go to all the usual places, uh, mtfcmatters.co.uk. And Christy, next time you're in England, make sure you pick up the phone or drop us a message. We'll get you down to uh, One Four Stadium. Let's fill a room full of people, get them chanting Chrissy, Chrissy Greenacre and recall some more. Mainly of those Robbo stories, because I'm sure there's a few in the boat as well. For now, though, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.